It's the podcast at moresportsnow.com. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. And on the line, joining us once again to talk local college hoops from app.com, Jerry Carino. Jerry, how you doing? Guys, I'm in high demand this week because Rutgers <laughs> and Seton Hall are playing. I cover them both. It's okay. my Super Bowl, so I'm doing great. <laughs> Absolutely. The Garden State Hardwood Classic is upon us. It's Saturday at 2 p.m. I will be there at the Rock. Uh, very excited about it. Uh, so let's go back to last Saturday, Jerry, where both programs took a turn. Seton Hall with a big upset of Kentucky. And meanwhile, Rutgers lays an egg at Fordham. I'll start with Rutgers. Uh, you know, a young team early in the season. You know, three losses in a row. That's a bad loss against a middling A-10 team in Fordham. Is it reason for concern, Jerry, or just a bump in the road? You're being kind with middling. Fordham's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> bottom, bottom feeder. Okay. And uh, it's, I think it's just a bump in the road. It's a really big bump, though. It's just growing pains. It's like super growing pains. You know, it's like a stab wound. And, uh, and what happens is, Seton Hall on Seton Hall side, they were devastated, just crushed to see that Rutgers lost that game. <laughs> they don't want Rutgers coming in, you know, embarrassed and angry. You know, they wanted Rutgers coming in riding high and feeling good. And so they know they're going to see a Rutgers team now that everyone thinks they should steamroll because they lost to lowly Fordham and a team that's going to be mad. And so I think it sets up for a – that part of it sets up for a pretty good game. I wasn't at the Rutgers-Fordham game, but – when you have a young team, things will happen. But here's in a nutshell what it was, is that when Geo Baker doesn't have a good game, Rutgers can't win. Mm-hmm. They can't beat anybody. So it's you know they're very dependent on him, and that'll be a theme going into Saturday, of course. And it's a little bit of a theme for Seton Hall as well. As Miles Powell goes, so does the team. They have more options, obviously, but he is such a critical element to their success. So, I mean, it's a Powell-Baker matchup, even though they may not go head-to-head on Saturday. Right, those are the guys. Okay, those, that's Miles Powell is the face of Seton Hall. He's their best player. He's one of the best, the best players around. And Geo Baker is on the rise. He's Rutgers' best player by far, easily. He's the top of everybody's scouting report, like Miles Powell. So yes, last year they played each other one on one because Powell played off the ball with Corey Sanders at Rutgers. That won't be the case this year. They won't they won't match up. But yes, those are the two key guys that the opposing coaches are zeroing in on as they scout this game out. And and on Saturday against Kentucky, Powell's second half was enormous. And and then he, from a leadership standpoint, settled them down after that half-court three tied it up. I, I, had, I thought no way they're going to win this game now in overtime. They had lost two big guys to fouls. Uh, the emotion of, of having that shot go in, uh, I said there's no way, but... Miles Powell, according to your report and everything else I read or heard, basically said, let's go. Let's settle down. New ball game. Here we go. And, you know, he paced them to their biggest victory in years. Yeah, Willard didn't even – he hardly even talked in the huddle before overtime. He was he too was, stunned. He, 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 <laughs> he even said that he was, and you could see it in his face. And he kind of ceded the floor to Powell, who's just a natural leader in addition to being a fantastic player. And, he, yeah, he righted the ship. So – so yeah, he's. I mean, he's a total package. You, what you saw on the last, in the tail end of that Kentucky game was, that was an all-American type of player, and Kentucky defended him so well, and they, he still torched them. They were, there was no way he, those shots weren't going in. He was the basket was like ten feet wide for him. So that's the what Rutgers has to worry about. If Powell gets like that, Rutgers has no chance. 
You so no matter how well they play. So that's what they, that's the number one thing they have to worry about this game. Absolutely. Jerry, and you mentioned that this is your Super Bowl week and everyone's reaching out to you. Uh, I've been following along as our friends here in the room, your uh, weekly, uh, your columns leading up to it. One that I found really interesting and fun to read was the one about all the big men at both of the schools. And I'll relay a funny story. You know, you had in there about how they try to get into class early so that they can get their best desks and get their feet out of the way so that uh, nobody trips over them. I went to Providence College and graduated in 1990. My roommate for a couple of years was Marty Conlon, who was 6'11". And we had regular beds in that room. And when I would have an early class, I would have to reach over and lift his big fat feet out of the way so that I could open the door to get out of my dorm room. So, yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's nice to read that Steve Peichel has uh, has gotten them beds that are uh, that are their size. But speaking of bigs, we talked about the guards uh, already. How do these front courts line up with each other? I mean, they don't. There's not a you know low post guy that you're going to really dump the ball down to that can get you a basket when you need it. There's more of the you know three and D kind of guys. And uh, so, how do you see these front courts matching up, Seton Hall and Rutgers at this point? So this is where the game will look totally different than it did the last four years because the last four years or the last two years in particular with Pykele and Jay Young at Rutgers was the whole scheme was based around. Delgado, you know, not allowing him to get the ball, not allowing him to get his position. And that will be different, obviously. There's no one like that, like you said. Much different look. Both teams are very big, but there's no dominant post presence like that um, that either side has to worry about. So it's more of a collective thing. And I know what, what Seton Hall's concerned with is, and Kevin Willard told me this, but he's very worried about the rebounding. Because Rutgers rebounds real well. They're the second, uh, ranked second in the Big East, a uh, Big Ten rather, in offensive rebounds. Uh, Seton Hall is ranked next to last in the Big East in rebounding. So it's a strength for Rutgers. They, they beat Seton Hall pretty bad in the offensive glass last year, and that was with Delgado. And so Willard's worried about it. So he's worried about wear down. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Kevin use more guys. He's only been playing eight guys the last couple games. I think you're going to see him use nine or ten guys this time putting more bigs in so there are fresher legs down a stretch of this game to grab those rebounds that can make a difference. Um, for the Rucker side, the key guy is Eugene Omarui, who has been basically a double-double machine this year and uh, is very tough. And so I think the Sandro Mamouklashvili, that will fall to him to defend uh, Omarui. There's a lot of tough names there, guys. But, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, that's why they so go with the, Sandro. The Sandro M. Mamu. They call him Mamu. Yeah. So let's say that. But those are the, the two hustle guys in the front court. And watching them battle each other should be fun. They're going to leave each other with some bruises for sure. But uh, like you said, this is this is more of a collective effort now um, than than I, I would say uh, just one trying to stop one guy. And so it could be there could be any guy who emerges as the star up front to turn the game, and that's what kind of makes it fun. You know, along those lines, I, I'm waiting for Torian Thompson to sort of have his coming out party. I went to see him play a couple of years ago at, at prep school uh, at Brewster Academy, and he was phenomenal. Him and Alfa Diallo uh, just took over the games, and he's just so fluid. And he had a really good freshman season at Syracuse where he only was playing about 18 minutes or so a game and almost averaged uh, eight or nine points a game. And he can do so many things. He can make threes. He blocks shots. He defends in the post. He's a guy that I'm going to look for that uh, might have a coming out party in his first Garden State Hardwood Classic. Yeah, and, and he's been playing better, Jerry, I think. 
you know, well, he, had, he played well. He played well against Kentucky. Kentucky yeah, he, he had been really struggling before then, but he had a, they wouldn't have beaten Kentucky without him. No he, he way. He had to go out there for twenty five minutes because Seton Hall's starting two big men fell out, and he played real well, Thompson. But here's the thing with Thompson, okay? So his issue is he doesn't know how to play man to man defense. I mean, it's obvious. You just watch. He doesn't know where to stand, how to switch, how to hedge, how to help and recover. He just doesn't know. He, he so he. They have to sort of scheme around that. Uh, in Syracuse, I guess it wasn't an issue. You know, Bayheim say, said, stand here and put your arms out. <laughs> that that <laughs> zone's been used up there for a thousand years. Yeah. Wingspan, wingspan, right? Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But now there's, he has to think defensively, and he just hasn't grasped it. So they haven't, that's why his minutes have been limited. Uh, obviously, his offensive skill set speaks for itself. He's, oh. You know, he can get to the rim. He's long. He's, he's fast. He's, he's a train when he gets the ball in the lane. Mm. But mm-hmm. but can he can he can he play out there for twenty five minutes and be a plus factor defensively? That's the question. He did a good enough job against Kentucky, and if he does a good enough job against Rutgers, then I, then Kevin would love to leave him out there. But really, nobody knows what's going to happen. It's kind of an X factor. Is it a scheme thing or is it a motor problem? Does he does he not have the want to def- to defend? Does he only want to play on the offensive end, or is it more of you know getting out of that two three zone where? When the ball goes from one side to the other, I got to bump and wait for my guard to come back. And as you said, uh, it's a lot different in man-to-man yeah. because you have to be in front of somebody or you're going to sit on the bench. One thing somebody you know, has a motor or a want-to issue is I haven't seen enough of them to say that. Okay. I haven't heard that complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously a big indictment. Uh, what I've heard is he can't grasp the scheme. So, okay. I mean, that's what we'll leave it at for now. But he's been, he's been with them for a year and a half. <laughs> you know, it's not like he just arrived on campus last yeah. week, but... It is what it is. So they're working around it, uh, and if, like I said, if he if he can be, a, he just hold his ground defensively, and you'll see teammates. If you watch, you'll see teammates sort of pushing him to be here, go here, directing him on the court. If that can work out, then then he'll stay out there. Well, Jerry, this is going to be this game can be a surprise because there's so many new faces. This, these are both young teams. I mean, let's go back to Rutgers and look at what do you think of. Of the new guys, Ron Harper Jr., Montez Mathis, you got Shaq Carter, you got the grad transfer, Peter Kiss. I mean, does anybody stand out to you so far? Well, I love I love Harper. I think he's fantastic. I can't believe he was only rated two stars in Don Bosco. Wow. I mean, it's just what are these these guys looking at who blew these ratings? Um, you know, he, he was the best player on the team that played in the tournament champions final, and he scored thirty points in a championship game. I mean, what are they looking at? So hmm. Rutgers gets a steal in Ron Harper, who. He's positionless, which is that's the word today in basketball, guys. He's positionless. Uh, two, he can play the two, the three, the four, uh, whatever. So he, he has high IQ coming from his dad, you know, who has five NBA championships, um, championship rings. So, yes, he's been a very, very good uh, glue guy, Swiss Army knife type of player. But the key guy in this game, the key new guy, I think, is Mathis because Mathis has he's done nothing offensively. And people are wondering, well, where, where is this kid? But if you watch the game, He's dogged defensively. He, mm-hmm. He's definitely holding his own, and he's he's helping Rutgers on defense. So I think he's going to draw the assignment on Powell. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rutgers plays straight man. I don't see them doing a whole lot of junk. It just you are who you are, and I don't think Peigel believes in doing throwing crazy curveballs in there. And straight man means someone's got to draw get most of the minutes. Now, they'll do different guys on Powell, but I think Mathis is going to get the lion's share of the minutes on him because he's a good athlete. He's tough, and you know he's about the same size. So that's interesting spot for him. The third new guy is Kiss, who's been starting for them, Pete Kiss, Quinnipiac. Here's the thing about Kiss. Kiss has a lot of moxie, guys. I mean, this guy's got a lot of spunk. So when he, you know, he's he's hitting shots, you know, against Michigan mm-hmm. State, 
and then he's gesturing to the Rutgers student yeah. section. You know, and Rutgers kind of needs that, you know. But but in this game, that moxie can sometimes turn to lunacy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's been streaky. Get, yeah, mm-hmm. we've seen guys get teased and get ejected mm-hmm. all the time in this game. So so Kiss is on the radar for for that you know sort of that viral moment that always seems to happen in these games. Yeah, and you need one of these guys to get hot. Someone like Peter Kiss, if he can get hot and and, and hit some threes, you know, that's that's kind of what you need in in a game like this. But Pikele is. Oh, yeah, I mean they're not going to beat Seton Hall without hitting some threes. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. not going to they're not going to beat Seton Hall in twos. Someone's got to hit threes. Baker would be the optimal guy, but if he's struggling, then someone else mm-hmm. got to step up, and Kiss will be the next guy probably. But Peichel is Steve Peichel has has hung his hat on good defense as he's tried to get a better offensive team. So if Seton Hall is in this low-scoring game. I say it favors Rutgers, but also my concern is can Seton Hall defend the way Rutgers may defend? Well, we don't know that. I mean, that's the you know we'll have to see. Uh, did they defend great against Kentucky? Or did Kentucky just shoot terribly? Probably a mix. Yeah, I don't think either team. Neither team woke up until uh, the the second half. It was amazing. (laughs) I was out in Los Angeles and I could have watched it early, but I'm a Seton Hall guy and a WSOU guy, and so I was listening to the student station broadcasted. And what did they go about ten minutes without a basket? It was incredible in that first half. But at any rate, I, I I I think it was probably as much Kentucky being bad. That kept Seton Hall in the game, so that's that's my concern from this uh, matchup on Saturday at the Rock. Uh, uh, is can Seton Hall play a defend a low scoring defensive game and win it? Not sure. We'll find I mean, out. They'd rather not do that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Seton Hall would rather play like the game they played against Miami, which is go up and down the court and you know light you up a little more than you lit them up. But Pikele won't let that happen, will he? No, no, certainly not. And look at the last two years. So last year, Seton Hall scored sixty five points. Seton Hall team that was a you know top twenty five team much of the season. The year before that, Seton Hall had vastly superior personnel, vastly superior, and scored seventy one points. So seventy two points. They won seventy two sixty one. I think it was. So, so and the first half they scored twenty three in that game two years ago. So no, the, the game's going to be in the sixties or seven or low seventies. Seton Hall's going to have to mostly play at Rutgers pace, and they're going to have to grind it out and put the hard hats on. And these guys do that. I think they can, but they have to show that they can do it consistently. And this will be a great test. There'll never be more motivation. I mean, you have a sold out crowd. You have the revenge factor, which is heavy on these guys' minds, fellas. Mm-hmm. These guys are these, mm-hmm. these the remaining, this returning Seton Hall players, the four or five guys who were there last year are still bitter, still have a bad taste in their mouth. So mm-hmm. if, if there's ever a time to strap on the hard hat and ram somebody, this is it. And so, you know, this is if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? So it's a good way for them to learn how to win in a meat grinder fashion. Absolutely. We go from the rack to the rock this year. And you talk about, you know, strapping it on and getting after each other. One uh, area where both of these staffs do that is on the recruiting front. I would assume that the uh, rafters will be packed, obviously. And many of those fannies that will be in the seats will be recruits be it uh, juniors and seniors and even sophomores. Have we gotten any word as to how many and, and who some of the names that will be in attendance on Saturday? Well, we know we know Paul Mulcahy will be there for – well, actually, that's a good question, Mulcahy will be there or not, because I was going to say he's been at every game Rutgers has played pretty much, but Gil he might plays be playing. at 7 o'clock yeah. in, the, in Elizabeth at the Dunn Center, so okay. that might be tight switch for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he he you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. Mm-hmm. He's the incoming point guard from Gil St. Bernard's who's going he's going to be Rutgers point guard next year. Yes, with the and headband. Allows, 
That's right. That's right. He's a <laughs> terrific uh, playmaker, pass-first guy. Mm-hmm. Fans are going to love him, and he'll allow Gio to move off the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been around a lot. Uh, I, that's a, something I have to check on. The, there's always a ton of recruits at this game. I mean, it's a great game to show to show your, you know, especially for Seton Hall, to show the rock when it's full and yes. loud, which it doesn't always get like that for college basketball. And so there'll be a lot of people there. Uh, I don't know who. I mean, the top recruit coming in next year is uh, a, as a guy from Canada. So I don't – Tyree Samuel is a wing, four-star wing. I don't know if mm-hmm. he'll be coming down for that, but uh, he's already he's already signed. But uh, Deshaun Davis, New York City kid, is going to – you know, be a backup point guard for Seton Hall next year. He'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll be there. But I have to check on that. But yes, there will be, there will be plenty of recruits there for sure. This is a showcase game for both programs. Yes, and speaking of a packed house, sort of on a on a side note, uh, a national TV audience got to see the Garden rocking on Saturday when Seton Hall beat Kentucky, and uh, Big East fans will continue to see. Uh, MSG rocking as they were able to sign an extension with the Garden that will keep them there through 2028, sort of boxing out the ACC and the Big Ten, which you know might be sort of a side no- side note with the Garden State Hardwood Classic this week. But for basketball in the Big East and the East Coast, that was a big signing, wasn't it, Jerry? Oh, huge! I mean, here's here's what happens. Okay, so so the big the, you know the Big Ten Media Day, Jim Delaney is talking about. We want to go back to the garden, but we want to. We don't want to play in the first week anymore, mm-hmm. the early week. Well, that means you're taking the Big East week. <laughs> that's what, he didn't say it, but that's what you mean. When mm-hmm. else are you going to go back? Mm-hmm. So, so this bug gets planted in the ear of the Big East that this guy's trying to steal our week, and you know they. And sure enough, he was. And basically, the you know the Big East put their foot down and said, "Hey, what do we got to do to lock this up?" You know, the ACC was trying to weasel in also with Jim Beheim. Yeah. And uh, trying to pull some strings, and uh, it, it was huge. Everyone wants to play in the Garden. It's the world's most famous arena. It's not a misnomer. Uh, it's the location's great. I mean, it's that's where you want to be. And the, for the Big East, they, they needed two things to survive, right? They they needed a TV contract, which they got, and they needed the brand. They needed to strengthen the brand, and nothing strengthens a brand more than Madison Square Garden. So now they've boxed out those leagues for another ten years. Uh, it's this huge deal for them and really a great legacy piece for Val Ackerman. And I'm sure Delaney's off steam in some place, but you know what? Tradition <laughs> yeah. means something. Yeah. It still means something, yeah. tradition. Yeah. It does. And so that's that's what you got there. And, nice and Jim's a Jersey guy, so he gets it. He put the message right. out, but he got backdoored yeah. a little bit. So he got his comeuppance. Right. Jersey guy. You, you, got, you, know, you, you just got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. From South Orange, no less, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Now, Jerry, what makes the the upset of Kentucky so intriguing is that, you know, this was supposed to be a down year for Seton Hall. They lose four seniors and all of a sudden you're like, maybe not. I mean, what, what we're seeing is Miles Powell is, is an excellent player. You know, Michael Enzi's doing his thing, but then it's all, you know, young, uh, young new faces. So what do you see on Seton Hall? Who's surprising you on Seton Hall's side? Well, it's a two year project for the hall, right? Cause there's only one guy leaving after this year and that's, Enzi, and they have a guy waiting to replace him with Florida State transfer, Iko Biagio at center. So it's really a two-year project. This year, the thought was maybe NIT, and next year, we'll go back to the NCAs. They might be ahead of that pace. We'll see uh, after Kentucky. But, yeah, so who, who is surprising me? Well, first of all, it's good to see Enzi asserting himself, which he never really did with those other guys around. We knew Powell was going to be good. Quincy McKnight's probably been a biggest surprise because he comes in after starring at, at Sacred Heart, you know, but it's the Northeast Conference. It's several levels lower, and he wasn't really a point guard. He was just like an everything guard doing it all. 
Now he's been asked to run an offense first, score second, and also defend the best player, perimeter player on the other team. And he's done all that. He's been much better than I thought he would be. I, they, they talked about his defense being good, but he's been an all-around better player. He's, he's adapted to that role of point guard, playmaking point guard better than I thought. So he would be a big surprise. And uh, the, his backup, Anthony Nelson, has been a nice surprise. As a freshman, he scored the first basket in overtime against Kentucky that really settled the waters for the team. So th- we thought that was going to be a weakness this year, everyone analyzing Seton Hall. At point guard, of course, it's the most important position in college basketball. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's not a weakness. It's it's solid. Yeah. And so that will be the thing that's opened my eyes the most, thanks to those two newcomers. And, Jerry, on the Rutgers side, hard to get after Peichel. I like the way the direction of the, uh, of the, uh, the team is going. But uh, I, they're coming out of the half just horribly. I mean, they either you know, give up a lead or get further in a hole. They've just been awful in the second half, especially the beginning, the first five minutes. Uh, what, what do you attribute that to? I think it's just maturity of the players. You know, I, I, I'm, this is a good staff. I mean, they know what they're doing. I'm, I don't think they're getting outmaneuvered at halftime, X's and O's wise, technically. Uh, I'm sure it's just the players' maturity, being having a take tough time revving the engine back up, revving the focus level back up. Uh, you know, the, what I told... So my mantra for Rutgers fans who kept asking me in the preseason about this team was, was uh, there's going to be growing pains and you have to, you have to look at the big picture because the, the record could be, it could be a better team with a worse record, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're going to lose games they should win because they're so young. Um, so I'm not really surprised by that. It's something they have to iron out. But yeah, if they, if they have, if they tank for four minutes against Seton Hall, they could be behind by 15. So, mm-hmm, right, so they yeah. have to fix that in a hurry. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's the staff. I think that's probably just maturity. And they don't really have, you know, they don't have a senior leader. I mean, Geo mm-hmm. Baker's leader is a sophomore, and that's tricky. And let's face it, the Big Ten is deep. I mean, you got six teams in the top 25, you know, a couple teams right outside of it. And, uh, you know, well, what's a realistic win total for, uh, for the team this year? I'm, I'm thinking 14, 15 wins at best. I, I had him for less. Oh, mm-hmm. I had him for 12. Okay. And like I said, I think it could be a step forward, but the Big Ten is much better than it was. Rutgers' schedule is much harder than it was. They have 20 league games this year instead of 18. They're not thrilled about that, mm-hmm. obviously. So, the you know, if they, if they get out of non-conference at 7-3 and three, and they win five Big Ten games, that's 12. They've won three Big Ten games the last two years. So 12 or 13 wins. I think it's going to be more about looking at do the individuals progress, has the offense gotten better? Uh, and so that's foundation laying for next year, which I think if next year Paul Mulcahy comes in, Gio moves to his natural position, he has less weight on his shoulders, mm-hmm. and you have, you, know, you have a team that's capable, I think, of making a move to the middle of the league and maybe making a run at breaking that streak of losing seasons, which is you know now we're going to reach 11 if, mm-hmm. if this continues at this pace. Okay. Yes, you mentioned progressing and getting better as the season goes along. One player, when Rutgers recruited him, I thought was going to be uh, a nice fit, and he still hasn't seemed to find his footing yet, is Mamadou Ducor. Is that is that someone that they still have high hopes for? Because he was pretty heralded coming out of uh, the prep ranks, and he hasn't been able to really break through yet. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he's not in the rotation, so I think that tells you what you need to know, right? Yeah, surprising, he's isn't playing, it? Mike's playing 10 guys. Ten's a lot. Ten's about the max yeah. that you could reasonably play, and he's playing ten, and Duke Core's not in it. He's number eleven. Yeah, 
So yeah, I just I just these rankings with these ratings in high school, they just don't tell you the whole picture. I mean, sure. Theo Baker was ranked the 400th best best player in his class. 414. Michael keeps bringing that number up, and I don't blame him. No, it's true. I don't blame him. 414 best player in your class means you should be going to, you know, Monmouth or, or you know, St. Peter's <laughs> or, you know, something like that. Not Rutgers, not Big Ten, but he's clearly a Big Ten player, a good Big Ten player. So it's misleading. Eugene Omarui was nowhere to be found in the rankings. And then you have four-star guys who were, you know, probably done a disservice by the people giving them those stars. And maybe, maybe Ducour is one of those guys. I don't know, but his, I think he doesn't have a good feel for the game. So they, they have to teach him the game, which is why he's, he's not getting out there. I don't think they've given up on him, but, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. He's the 11th guy. So I think at some point you got to take those stars and throw them out the window. Yeah. And I think that we miss, uh, we're misguided when we take 17 year old kids and, project we just don't know i mean there's some obvious ones but honestly you just don't know as a kid matures had he leveled out at 17 18 is that the best he's going to get what about his drive you know what all those all those things so it that's the best part about sports you give a guy a chance and you never know and that's the old saying they'll find you if you're good enough they'll find you and yeah uh, man no one i mean look who recruited miles powell Uh, he was recruited he was but he was he wasn't recruited nearly at the level of the, the the any of those guys on Kentucky who he ran rings around. Yeah, Saturday, right. You and, know? So, and who would and who would have known though, Jerry? Right, like you looked at him coming out of high school and you saw that freshman year, said, "Geez, he's chunky." And yeah, what's he, he going to do? All of a sudden, he gets it. He trims down. He's he's driven to greatness. How far he'll yeah. get on that road, nobody knows. But again, those are the intangibles that are that are hard to. Uh, are hard to track and and hard to put right. a finger on, and and certainly he has those. So listen, the joint's going to be jumping. On Saturday, it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. My only regret is that I'll be in Nashville. That's that's not a bad <laughs> second prize. I'll, I'll be there. I've heard I've heard it's a great city. I've always wanted to go. Yeah, no, you should make a a, a trip down there. But uh, work with the Devils takes me to Nashville. Uh, if it was home, I certainly would have been doing the double dip. But at any rate, uh, the place will be jumping. How's it going to turn out in your eyes at the end? So I look at close game. I can I just cannot fathom that this game wouldn't be close. And if people are. Tweeting at me, Seton Hall by 15, Seton Hall by 20. I just, no way. How is that going to happen? So it's just this history of this rivalry is too close. If Seton Hall wins by that margin, then hats off to them. They're headed to big places. But, you know, I see a, I see a one or two possession game coming down to the final minute or two. And, but the thing is, Seton Hall has the trump card. When you have the best player, you guys know basketball. When you have the best player, the game tilts in your favor if it's close at the end. And Powell's going to have the ball at the end, and I see him making a count. My prediction is Seton Hall 69, Rutgers 66. Low wow. scoring, Rutgers sets the All pace, right. but Powell has the last lap. Tight game. Well said. Well, I have to say, Jerry, because we haven't talked to you in a while, can you give us a couple words on Rutgers football's 111 season and Chris Ash coming back next year? Well, if they ha- first of all, they had to bring him back. I mean, mm-hmm. because the financial situation that they set themselves up in. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was a disaster. The one in eleven speaks for itself. Some of the losses were just atrocious, and uh, there's not much hope. I mean, when you when you look at Pykele's team and and the basketball team, okay, they might go twelve and twenty, twelve and nineteen, but there's hope. There's a plan. There's pieces in place, and more pieces coming. There's no there's no hope with Rutgers football. Where's the hope? Yeah. So it's they put themselves in a situation a where spot. people are just going to tune out. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know? and, and they owe they owe them too much money to buy him out because they got they'd have to pay for another coach, and that's the poor contracts they set up. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's a, that's a mess, and that's going to continue to be a mess until whenever whatever t- time they finally get around to making a change. Well, Jerry, it's a thrill having you on the show. Thank you for uh, coming on and uh, giving us your uh, college uh, basketball perspective. Certainly, Thanks. so we're fired up for uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, that's right, guys. Football season's over. That's out of my head. It's <laughs> good. Time, the best time of year. It, it is. is. It is. It is. And, and it's no so doubt. good to see the two flagship programs in the state, uh, you know, one on the rise, one with a nice surprise because of all the graduations last year. But listen, there's a respect, but there's a hate, and that's the best part of rivalries. I told Willard this yesterday. He's like, oh, this, the game's rough on us coaches. And I said, you know what? It's rough on you, but it's great for the state. And for one day a year, yeah, we're a pro market. For one day a year, we're a college basketball state, and it's Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Enjoy. Really excited. Take care, Jerry. Thanks, All right, Jerry. Thanks, Thanks guys. Okay. Anytime. And that's Jerry Carino from the Asbury Park Press. And this is why this site exists. It's the Garden State Hardwood Classic. Seton Hall, Rutgers, fired up. I mean, you know, Matt, you're a Seton Hall alum. Uh, it's I'm been a Rutgers great. alum. We know what sides we stand on. But I, I think I like his prediction of a tight game. Yeah, well, I mean, that would make mm-hmm. it, right, uh, edge of your seat Saturday afternoon. I don't think Rutgers is blowing out anybody. I mean, those games, if they're going to win, it's going to be tight. I mean, um, you know, but he's right. If Miles Powell goes off and he has the ability to do that, he is the best basketball player on the court. Yeah, and don't, forget, but, and yeah. don't forget, they're coming off the loss to Fordham. They've had a week yeah. to stew. They've had a week to work. Mm-hmm. They understand where they're at in the Big Ten. They understand that this is their big game. Look, they'll have plenty of conference games coming up, but they're not expected to do much. So this is their game, probably mm-hmm. their biggest game between now and the end of the season, depending on how they develop. So all their eggs are in this basket, and, and Seton Hall better be ready. And at times in this rivalry they have not they're coming off a victory their heads are big sure and we'll, as we'll we saw last year they were big favorites and uh you know Rutgers won that game of course their home crowd helped that quite a bit uh now they're at the rock which is a concern and um you know we'll see if it's a tight game maybe Rutgers can pull it out but I mean Seton Hall's favored in this one John what do you say my only question has nothing to do with the game if you can believe that my only question is what is going to be on the line between a Rutgers grad and a Seton Hall grad whose driveways are about, you could throw a rock and hit each one's driveway. Yep. We have, we're going to have our little end of the season holiday dinner. Perhaps we could put a, uh, a cold beverage on one of these. Uh, and here's the what I'll do. When, when we get together, I will wear, if Seton Hall loses, I will wear Rutgers gear. Okay. There to we go. Steve, to, to and I'll, I'll do the same. Absolutely. You know, what I'll, size do you I'll take? Wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can loan you mine. You can loan me yours. And uh, I, I mean, will it's wear gonna be, Pirates blue. It's going to be great. And as a Jersey guy, I have a game, unfortunately, myself at 1230, so I'm going to have to tape it. I am and really we'll snap it and put it on Instagram, of course. I am really looking forward to this. I think yeah, it's great. It fun, I lived yeah. through the Providence, Rhode Island uh, PCURI games. Matt, I know your son is a part of that right now. The, the state shuts down, and yeah. that's little Rhode Island. Yeah. These games are great. It's bragging rights, and mm-hmm. the quality now is good. It's not it slop anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are legitimate teams. I expect a tight game. There was a there was a time where Rutgers was just really helpless, and you know, Pikes got them stay on in the these right games, path. But you know, they're going to play good defense, and I, you know, again, it, it, the edge is certainly with Seton Hall being at the Rock, but uh, it's going to be exciting, and I will be there actually, which is nice. Good, good. So, Enjoy uh, the day for excited, sure. Excited about that to a degree for, for sure, <laughs> and that'll do it for the podcast this week. Steve Titchener, Matt. Lachlan, John McLevy, and we'll be back next week with plenty more sports talk. Bye-bye.